Pastor Chris's podcast. I guess every generation faces challenging times. Um, they come in different ways and different forms. And, and um, you know, when we are in the midst of our struggles, we might think that they're the worst thing that's ever been. But other people faced struggles as well. I was talking with my dad uh, recently, and he was talking about being in the Army. He served two years in the Army from 1962 to 1964. So that was during the uh, Vietnam War. He was um, fortunate that I think he served at the sort of toward the beginning of the war before things really got heated drafting because they needed so many soldiers and they were drafting people. But he had already served and had gotten out, and because of that, and because of his age, he, he didn't actually have to go over to Vietnam. He spent his time serving uh, by training people as they were gearing up to begin going over to Vietnam. But those were challenging times nonetheless. Um, you can remember the 60s, I'm sure, if you, if you lived during that time, how difficult that was. But we also are living in challenging times today. I mean, you can't help but see things in the news that are happening now and think, my goodness, what is going on in our world? Well, today I want to share a faith for our time. And, but honestly, it's not anything new. It's the same kind of faith that has sustained Christians for thousands of years. Uh, Paul the apostle, a seasoned Christian leader, writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, to give him an important warning and also advice to encourage and guide him through some very challenging times. And those words that he wrote to Timothy can encourage and equip us for our challenging times as well, I think. So from Timothy... 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll read verse 1 through 5 and then verses 14 through 17. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. And so he's writing to Timothy. Um, about these things that are going to be, you know, these difficult times that are going to be in the last days. And we often read that and we think as if we see those kinds of things, does it mean we're living in the last days? Yes. But the last days, Timothy was living through them too, wasn't he? If he was facing those things and we're facing those things, we're in the same era. We can certainly look around and see these things. And so Paul gives his son in the faith some important advice about how to navigate the treacherous dangers of an ungodly world. And we read some of those in verses 14 through 17. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. 
For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And, they've been given, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Is there any doubt that we're living in some crazy times? But as crazy as it may sound, we are not living in times that were darker than what Paul and Timothy faced. Here we are in the 21st century in America, one of the most prosperous, one of the most Christian nations in the world. And we are blessed that almost all of the world has been positively influenced and affected by Christian virtues and teachings. Even people today who do not believe in Christ or who are not Christian, even most of those people have been positively affected by the Christian faith. The virtues, truths, the, the values of Christ and the Christian church have filtered into the world for 2,000 years and have, have influenced our way of thinking so that even if you aren't a Christian, you still believe in some universal truths that Christ brought into the world. Things like love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others what you would have them do unto you, civil rights, the sanctity of human life. All of these things come through the Christian faith and they have become part of who we are. But Paul and Timothy lived in a time before the world had come to realize so many of these things. They lived in a world that was still vastly majority pagan. They believed the idea of a man laying down his life for people that he loved would be, we we see that as a virtue, one of the highest virtues of all. They saw that as just simply foolish. They couldn't understand it. They had not yet been enlightened by the gospel of Christ. And Paul and Timothy had to navigate those dark, rough waters. So if this was information that could help them, certainly it could be information that can help us. And what is it that Paul spoke to Timothy? And what does he speak to us today? Well, first we read, he says, remain faithful. To the things you were taught. Remain faithful to the things you were taught. Timothy had grown up in a Christian household. Where they had studied and known scripture. And this was part of who he was. It's what he'd learned. He'd learned it from his family. And Paul says you know that what they've taught you is true. And how many of us have been influenced by whether it was our parents, our mother, our father, or maybe it was our church family, our other relatives who taught us the love of Christ 
And maybe we've grown up in the church and we've experienced that. If we've not experienced it directly from the church, we've absorbed it from a Christian uh, community, a community that has been inspired and, and filled with these Christian ideals, even sometimes subconsciously. You know the truth. Remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Our Christian ancestors for 2,000 years have followed what they knew about Christ through the scriptures and tried to live faithfully. Even when it was often difficult, even when it uh, was risky, even when it was costly and sacrificial, they remained true to their Christian faith, which they gleaned through the scriptures. The biblical Christian faith what we have learned is firmly founded in Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We know about Christ through these scriptures. These scriptures that we contain in the Old and New Testament of our Bible were inspired by God. They're not just human words. They're not just stories about people. They are inspired by God. God gave this scripture to his people and he preserved this scripture through them to guide us today. Scripture corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. But it only is effective on our life if we humble ourselves under the Scripture. We have to come to Scripture and humbly and be willing to obey what we hear God saying to us in Scripture. There's a way of reading Scripture, you know, where you, you have an argument. You have a viewpoint which you want everyone else to agree with. And so you go to the Bible and you say, well, here's what I believe. Let me find where the Bible agrees with me. And I will use that then as a weapon to win my argument against someone else. You know what I mean. But you don't come to scripture this way. If you want to allow God to change you and to improve you and to remake you and to make you more like Christ, you come to scripture humbly. That this is God's word. That he is the one who maybe changes me. And therefore I will come and obey what scripture is saying. But we must found our beliefs and our practices upon what is in Scripture. And so, all true Christian faith, all true Christian religion, finds its very first foundation in the Scripture. Now, some people will say, well, if, if, if the Scripture is the foundation... And, and all Christians read and base their beliefs on what scripture says. Why is there so many different Christian denominations? <laughs> I 
If the Bible is so important and if it teaches us what we need to know and all true Christians must found their faith in the Bible, why are there so many different interpretations? Well, Martin Luther, the first, one of the great Protestant reformers, he, he sort of had a naive vision. Because in his day, all scripture was written in Latin. And the ordinary, everyday person, hardly anybody could read the Bible. Only those few clergy who had the ability to read Latin could read the Bible and understand it. And Martin thought, well, if, if we just translate the scripture into German or English so that everybody can read it, they will all read it and they will realize where the Roman Catholic Church has gotten off track and has corrupted Christianity. And we will read what scripture tells us we should believe and do. And we will all come back to the same holy, pure vision of Christianity. It was a great vision that he had. It was a little bit naive, but it was great. And certainly people did read scripture and they did recognize so many of the ways that the Roman Catholic Church had strayed away from Christ's teachings. And they began to reform the church. Unfortunately, there were also, I mean, people are different and the good, honest people would read the scripture and they would come to different conclusions about the specifics of how to practice the Christian faith. And so you had Martin Luther and the Lutheran church, you had John Calvin and the Calvinists, you had Anglicans and Methodists and all of these different traditions that sprung up. I think the way, the best way that I have understood the way scripture works for the Christian church is this analogy. It's the analogy of a ship on the ocean. And the Bible is an anchor that keeps the ship from floating away into oblivion. So for instance, on this picture, um, crude drawing, but hopefully one that you can understand, you have a, a boat on the surface of the ocean with an anchor dropped down to the bottom of the sea. The Bible is the anchor resting there. The Bible does not change. It is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. It is always the same. But people read the Bible and they come to different conclusions. They might conclude the way the Methodists believe. Or they might change over time and they might believe the way Baptists believe or the way Presbyterians would believe, right? Like a boat floating on the surface would float around to different places on the surface, but the anchor stays firm. And the way I look at scripture is the Bible is the anchor. There is a, there is a certain amount of freedom that we are given and how we can interpret scripture. And some people will come to the conclusions that I come to. That's just why I'm a Methodist. Others might come to conclude um, slightly different, which is why there are Baptists meeting right now at the same time we're meeting across the street. And we all are humble enough to understand that, you know, this is the way I believe, but I could be wrong. The way a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Church of Christ or a Pentecostal interprets scripture could be true. Their points are, could, are valid. They could be, it could be true. I might be wrong. But what we disagree on is not something that is essential. And so we give each other freedom so that the ship can, can drift around to a certain degree. But the ship doesn't drift off into 
thousands of miles away because it's anchored to Scripture. But what happens if you cut loose from the anchor? Where does the ship go? Well, it'll either drift off miles and miles away just without any guidance or the captain of the ship or whoever's driving the ship can drive it wherever they want to go. And that's what we find in our world today. Because people today, we don't want anything to restrict us. We want to be able to do whatever we want to do. The human heart is such that we can justify anything that we want. If we really want it bad enough, we can justify it. It's not right, doesn't make it right. But we have this crazy way as people of being able to justify just about anything we want to justify. And the other part of that is that there are a lot of influences in our world. A lot of the world is always saying that you should live this way or you should live that way. And what is, you know, the sins that are in fashion today are different from the sins that were in fashion 500 years ago. But there's always a world pushing people, go this way, believe this way, do these things. And if you have no anchor to hold you firm. Those storms will push you thousands of miles from where God wants you to be. But thankfully, the Christian church has an anchor in the scriptures. I talked about this a little bit last week. I'll share a little more today as well. That at annual conference in Georgia this year, 70 United Methodist churches disaffiliated from the United Methodist denomination. Now, news outlets reported that these churches disaffiliated over the issue of homosexuality. And I can understand why those news outlets would say that because they're not really looking deeply at what's going on. They're simply looking at what's happening on the surface. It's inaccurate, though. The real issue is not homosexuality. It's biblical authority. But homosexuality is the hot button topic. It's the thing that's on every mind. And here we are in June, which is Pride Month. And this is what people want to talk about. But 70 churches broke from the United Methodist Church because the United Methodist Church is changing the way they look at God's teaching in the Bible. And 70 churches in our conference don't want to be part of a denomination that they believe has cut the anchor to the Bible. Now, I believe that many more churches will disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church in the coming year. Because faithful Christians like you still believe the Bible is our firm foundation. Homosexuality only enters into the debate because the Bible clearly teaches homosexuality is not God's plan for people. And people within the church 
who, who, who are compassionate people, who, who want to be open-minded people. They have looked at Scripture and studied Scripture and tried and tried to find a way to, to see if there's a way you can interpret Scripture to say what it doesn't say. But Scripture says homosexuality is not God's plan for people. There's no way around it. And so people feel, some people feel they have to find another way. They have to disregard scripture. But the same scripture that forbids gay sex also forbids idolatry, stealing, greed, drunkenness, abuse, uh, cheating, but unfortunately, it is, unpo- it is unpopular in the world right now to call homosexuality a sin. And many progressives in the United Methodist denomination would rather follow the world than God. And so they say, well, we accept that scripture is right about all of these other things, but we do not believe that it is right about homosexuality. But you need to understand the division in the United Methodist Church is not about homosexuality. It is about whether the Bible is authoritative over our life and our practice or not. Is the Bible still authoritative for Christians in the 21st century? That is the question. And some churches have just decided that for them, Holy Scripture is not the final authority. But if you abandon Scripture, as many progressives in the United Methodist Church want to do, then where does it end? Where does it end? Why not turn your back on Scripture when it teaches that Jesus is not the Son of God? Or when it teaches that Jesus is the Son of God. Why not turn your back on scriptures when it says he died and rose again? Because let's be honest, science today says a man cannot die and be buried in a tomb and then come back to life after three days. And so some would say, when the Bible teaches that, then it is out of step. With what we know in the 21st century. And there are progressive United Methodist pastors who now teach that Jesus was not born of a virgin. That he did not literally die and rise again. Other progressive Methodist pastors are actively denying biblical truths such as the reality of sin. The necessity of being born again. Salvation through Christ alone and heaven and hell, the existence of an afterlife where we are with God for eternity. How could they teach such things? Well, if you cut loose from the anchor of Scripture, why couldn't you determine that these essential doctrines of the Christian church? are out of date. They're myths. That they're not literal truths. I believe that they are 
I believe that if Christ didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave, then what are we doing? There's no reason for us to be here if that is not true. It's not a myth. It's a literal truth. The history of the Christian church shows again and again that the church always makes the world a better place when it humbly and lovingly is faithful to God's word in the scripture. Because when all of the world around in Timothy's day was saying, why should we protect this, these babies? If the baby has some kind of defect or if, if it's not something that can be, you know, productive citizen in society, then just discard the baby. It's not worth anything. And Christians come along and say, no, you cannot discard because every human being is made in the image of God. Every life is sacred. And the world around these Christians says, y'all are crazy. That doesn't make any sense at all. But because they believed what scripture says, they followed it, they lived it, they, they staked their life upon it. And eventually the world came around to see that the Christians were right. Every human being is sacred in God's eyes and deserves to be protected and nurtured, and cared for. And if you look at the history of the Christian church, you can see time and time again that women are not less than men. Women are equal in God's eyes. And therefore, what do we have today? Or what are we working towards today? Women's rights. The abolishment of slavery comes from a Christian church who says to the world, through the vast majority of the world who practiced slavery, and Christians say, no, this is not what God wants. And the world says to the Christians, y'all are crazy. And it took way too long, but eventually the world came around to understand that God does not want any person to be enslaved. And we can go down the list, civil rights and all kinds of things, where the, the teaching of a faithful Christian church changed the world. Even when society said, Y'all Christians are crazy. Why do y'all believe that stuff? On the other hand, the church has done terrible evil in history whenever it has strayed from the clear teachings of Scripture. Like when the Roman Catholic Church was telling people, oh, you can live however you want, you can sin as much as you want, but if you pay a certain amount of money, will give you an indulgence that will automatically forgive you of your sins. That was what the Roman Catholic churches were doing, which is what made Martin Luther so angry that he had to split. The Inquisition that murdered Christians simply for trying to translate the Bible into the languages that people could understand. What about Nazi Germany? Where they murdered millions of Jewish people. And... National German Christian churches that wanted to stay in the favor of Hitler went along with it. Not because scripture said that it was okay, but they broke with what scripture says for the sake of what culture around them said was right. 
We can't go down that road. It's a road that leads to death and darkness and destruction and evil. That is the opposite of what God wants for us. So instead, what we have to do, the faith that we need for our times is a faith where we listen to what God's word says, where we read it and know it and humble ourselves before it, where we allow what is in God's word to correct us when we're wrong and teach us what is right, where we are faithful to God's word, even when it conflicts with the prevailing views of our world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that for thousands of years has been a rock upon which we can stand firmly. Something that can change us to become more like Christ. Where we love you with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole mind. And where we love our neighbor as ourself. Help us to humble ourselves before your word. And allow it to change us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.